0: Welcome to another episode of Get Your Edge Podcast. This is episode 20. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage here in the Madison area. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manche. And today's episode, before I let Coach hop on, is, is one that we've been getting hit up on a lot. And it's a great time for it because it's the fall. And that's on in-season training. Um, and and Dean, you know, at the high school level, in-season training is is a must and it's something that needs to happen. Uh, We're not gonna go back and forth on positives, negatives on in-season training in this podcast. This is a 100%, you have to do it. Otherwise, you're disservicing your athletes.
1: You know, Brian, we talk in-season training, when we think of a freshman that comes in at the high school level, that if they continually are consistent in training, and then they go for, for example, a fall season, And they're lifting two days a week, say in their season, which is what I say minimum, depending on the age level. We like to work our freshmen out sometimes three times during the in-season because you know there's so much top end, they're beginners when it comes to lifting. And a lot of that is just really grooving good technical patterns in the weight room. So we like to get a little bit more. Obviously, as they get older, then hey, they're a lot stronger at that point that we usually like to go to two days. A week for that JV varsity type of kids so when you talk in season if they go into the next winter sport and they don't do anything now all of a sudden you got a huge window where they did not do anything and detraining happens and then we obviously know that that's really going to hurt the long-term athletic development of the kid because what we always say there's no freshman state so it's Three, four years of consistently being in that weight room, staying healthy. Remember, the best ability is your availability, staying healthy. And then what kind of power output, what kind of athleticism are you going to really have when you're playing that varsity sport? Because that's what it's all about.
0: Well, and I think like you touched on it good here is, you know, you have a 14, 16 week break in the action and not only... Are you disservicing the athlete because you're you're prohibiting his development or her development? You're also disservicing the other sports they play because you have to have a, a school-wide philosophy on in-season training that the kids have to do it. Let's 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 again stay with that. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't have you know the football coach saying we're training two to three times a week in season. And then they get into basketball or wrestling or whatever, hockey, and and none of the coaches train the kids in season. And then all of a sudden the baseball coach is sitting there like, you know, we train in season and now all of a sudden these kids that came out of these other sports are sore. They can't function for the first three or four weeks. And so, um, you know, as coaches and as administrators, all right, you have to establish some ground rules, a a philosophy that all coaches and all athletes are held accountable for. You can't leave it in the hands of each individual coach because now you're creating chaos.
1: Not only chaos, Brian, but the big thing is with that is you're gonna get a lot of coaches. You know, we always talk about, we want kids doing multiple sports, but now think about that. If you're a, let's just use football. For example, if you're a football coach, And now that kid is going to be done with football and they're going to go into another sport. And now that sports not going to continue to lift. Now you're going to get some dissension between coaches. And this is where coaches say, Hey, you know, you probably need to be in a weight room because we need to gain weight, blah, 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 blah. Everybody's got to work together. And I think great administrators, and I've been so fortunate at Kimberly to have unbelievable administrators, but they understand, you know, you got to hire people that understand that it's not 40 years ago. You know, with the weight training back then where you're sitting on a machine and it's a selectorized equipment that the advancement of strength and conditioning just keeps evolving and evolving like crazy. And we see it with Alabama right now, one of the most successful football programs in college continuing to just get better every year. And they're showing it by doing lots, having lots of data, the power outputs of individuals and you have to continue to evolve as a coach and how you did it in high school, even how you did it in college, I can tell you it changes every year. It changes every year and you have to continually have that growth mindset to understand even if you did it this way and it worked, there's always a way that's better. You know, our athletes, you know, we always say the athletes, if you're all state or you're really good, you can always get better. We see that with the top athletes in the world, Olympians, just coming off of the Tokyo Olympics. They're always trying to get better. And that's so important. So coaches got to work together. We always say the hub of our athletic program is the weight room. Everything's got to go through the weight room. And kids understand that. And what I've seen... And my going on my 27th year at the high school level is the most successful, consistent programs, sport programs are the one that understand the process of the weight room they take and they learn it. Even though we know sport coaches fear what they don't know, but somebody on that staff, Brian has got to take that under. We talk about kids knowing their role. Hey, coaches got to know their role. And if I'm a person, maybe I'm an older coach. And I wasn't in that weight training part of my earlier career, but now I've had to evolve and I've had to get kids lifting because if we don't, we're not going to continually have that huge success. So I got to have somebody on my staff that's going to take that. So for example, when I'm running a strength conditioning program and we got coaches that are helping, if they have a strength, and they really enjoy mobility work or corrective exercises or plyometrics or core, whatever that is. I let that coach run with that and really let them research, get all the new stuff out there and then see what we can bring to our program to really benefit our athletes.
0: Well, and I think it also goes back to, we've, we've hit on the coaches pretty good here to start this, this off and the administrators but athletes, you need to, you need to hear this right now. All right. There, there there's no reason for you to put in and put in, you know, eight to 10 weeks in the summer, which most high school programs. Now most high schools offer some type of summer strength and conditioning where, you know, a significant amount of the athletes participate in, or, you know, you have scenarios where kids come to like a sports advantage or, something like that, where in the summer, that's that's a high priority, and parents make it a high priority for their kids. It does you absolutely no good to do that if you're not going to go into the fall, and, and especially in your fall season, and continue to train. It does you no good. It's actually probably going to be detrimental to you, okay, because the first real, you know, value of in-season training, Dean, is, is why we do strength and conditioning anyways, and it's injury prevention, okay, and we know, from from science and from data, that if you're away from strength training for for more than two weeks, the body starts to detrain. Okay, and I just I can use an example of a team I just got done training, and you know a, a volleyball team, and their vertical jumps went up an average of four point one inch, okay across the board. Now, if that team does not continue some type of training in the in season what's going to happen to these young ladies is they're going to start to get weaker. They're going, their power output is going to decrease, which means then they have to work harder to produce the same amount of force, which means their body's going to break down more, which means they're more susceptible to injury, which means their team doesn't have the success that they want. And individuals don't have the success they want because If you're sitting on the bench, you can't help the team. If your knees wrapped, you can't help the team. If you're, if you got an ice pack on your shoulder, you can't help the team. And so I think coaches have a misconception that the in season is going to be detrimental because their kids are going to be sore and athletes sometimes if they've never been through an in season fear, you know, the fact that they're going to overtrain well, I think you'd rather be a little sore, okay, than be, than be injured. And that's the risk you take if you are not training in-season and continuing what you've done, continuing the development that you've done. Because injury prevention at the end of the day is what our job is. And that that's where we really need to have coaches and athletes as far as in-season training really buy in. And that's a reality.
1: Yeah, you know, when you're finishing up, we're just finishing up our summer right now. And if you've been going hard and you've been consistent during the summer, you should be ready for your sport. But as we know, you cannot just get on a bicycle or a treadmill and try to simulate what your sport's going to be. Football is going to be different than volleyball. Volleyball is going to be different than tennis. Tennis is going to be different than soccer. The only true way that you get in great shape is to play your sport. And that's the practice hard. So, yeah, you have to have a ground base. You have to be ready to go. And you have to be set for in season. But then during the that season, that's a long time frame when we talk in season. And really, if you're a three-sport athlete, think about this. You are always in season. So what if you were a three-sport athlete and you never lifted? you'd you'd take a lot off the table right there yep. it, it would be a huge difference so even some of our athletes that play one sport or two let's just use basketball for example sometimes a kid just plays basketball they play basketball all year round brian yep so really they're in season they'll go on a weekend and play seven basketball games so do you not train I mean, we know the chicago bulls with Michael Jordan, they talked about training on game days, baseball, professional baseball. They are training on game days. You have to, when there's that many games involved to make any kind of stride. So we have to remember that as coaches that we must make sure these kids are training in season. That is, that's huge.
0: And I think the safety of the athletes has to come first, you know, and the fear of getting sore we know this, is that as long as you keep training, you're not gonna get sore. Your your body's already adapted to it. You've already had eight weeks or or 10 weeks of training in the summer. Do you think that, that 30 minutes a day or 45 minutes a day, twice a week is gonna get you sore? No, not as sore as practice is gonna get you, you know? But at the end of the day, There's that, that there's so many misconceptions from the 1980s and the, you know, the 1990s that in-season lifting is bad for you because it's bad for your joints and it's, it's hard on your joints and things like that. That's the exact opposite. A a well-constructed strength program in the season should be therapeutic for the athletes. And I know we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, when the kids walk in the weight room, sometimes the goal is just, you want them feeling better than when they walk, you want them walking out, feeling better than when they walked in. And so again, it comes down to making the effort, valuing it and understanding that this is not, this is not debatable on whether or not it's good for your athletes. It's good for your athletes. It's good for your team. It's good for your program. And you have to get past the stigmas that are put out there by society about soreness, about fatigue and things like that.
1: And athletes, you have to understand, when you start your sport, those first couple of weeks, you're gonna get sore. You're gonna, cause you're playing your sport. It's totally different. I tell our football players, the only time your body is gonna feel great is your first day of practice. After that, you are never gonna feel like that the whole football season. So your body is very intelligent, it will adapt, but you must make sure you're doing everything you can to take care of that soreness. So number one, are you getting at least eight hours of sleep a night? Because that's the number one recovery modality. So that's what I always like to tell kids because they always want to whine, you know, I'm sore and all this, but then, hey, did you get eight hours, eight hours of sleep last night? Well, no coach. Well, then you can't be that sore. right? Because if you're complaining you're sore, if I'm really sore, I'm doing whatever I can to take that soreness away. Number two, did you eat breakfast? Did you eat any breakfast? No, I, I got up late. I was gonna be late. My football helmet was in my car. I couldn't eat any breakfast. Well, now you don't have any good fuel. So how are you gonna be able to perform good? Three, hey, have you been hydrating? We've been telling you for the last month, you gotta make sure you're hydrating. So don't tell me how sore you are when you're not even taking care of the things that you can take care of yeah hydration
0: control. you can control that.
1: absolutely you've been told that you eat the breakfast post-workout recovery if you know post-workout recovery is going to help with some of the soreness after your practice or your scrimmage or your game then why aren't you doing it you can't be that sore so you know athletes you have to hold some accountability for yourself and some soreness is good i Athletes sometimes will come in and say, oh, I feel like my my back's a little tight today. My hips are tight. Hey, did you foam roll? Have you been foam rolling at all? You got a band at home. Have you been doing some extra mobility? Well, no. Well, complaining about it's not going to help it. So you have to do something as an athlete to help you recover better. We can tell you over and over and over. We can give you all the knowledge we want but you have to take that knowledge and you have to act on that. And that's one big message I'm telling kids all the time. Everybody's got a scale. We got a scale at the school. There's a scale at home. Hey, are you weighing yourself? You know, if your energy is not good, you have to check, why is my energy bad? Am I not getting enough sleep? Am I not consistently having breakfast? You have to figure that out as an athlete and only the athlete knows how they feel. That's the thing. Coaches, we don't have this superpower. Where we say, oh, that kid's really sore today. Only the athlete knows that. So the athlete has to take care of their body and that's important.
0: Well, and we've, we've had a lot of guests Dean to talk about, you know, a next, another reason why in-season training is so important is maintaining lean muscle mass, you know, and you even touched on it yourself. A good way to check, you know, how your body's feeling is to hop on the scale and we we do this at, at the gym, you know, we have some kids, you you know, it's the summer and they want to gain weight. And so we don't really push the scale too much on the kids, but a simple thing that I, I tell some of our our young athletes that want to gain some weight or lean muscle mass, I said, weigh yourself once a week at the same exact time once a week. Now that's out of season in season. It's good to hop on the scale, you know, once a day, you know, or, or twice, you know, pre-practice, post-practice. You know, and then that's a great way to see how much weight you've lost at practice. And then to start that hydration process, you know, cause we know, you know, you should be flu or drinking fluids, things like that, based on the amount of weight loss you've had during practice, you know, checking the color of your urine, you know, to see if you're dehydrated, um, if your mouth is dry, things like that, you know, so athletes being in touch with yourself, but also that lean muscle mass and, and you know, kids work so hard, you know, athletes work so hard in the summer. You see it all over the place to gain lean muscle mass, to gain strength, to gain power and explosiveness athletes. Why would you give that away? You know, why would you complain about having to train twice a week when you've put so much time in you've invested? Okay. You haven't sacrificed. You've invested time into your body, into your development, why would you give that away just, you know, just so you can sit up at at night and look at Twitter and, and look at Instagram and not get enough sleep and then get up in the morning, like you said, late, you know, and not be prepared. You know, we, athletes sacrifice, or I'm sorry, athletes invest so much of their time, you know, in the off season, when you get to the in season, that's why you've invested it you're trying to win championships as a great player you're maybe trying to win individual accolades you're trying to get recruited to go play in college trust me they're all training in college and now you know we tell our kids you want to play in college you better start acting like you're in college right now and so you know that lean muscle mass and that maintaining your body again injury prevention is is a really important reason for you to continue to train during your sports season?
1: No better feeling as a high school strength and conditioning coach, Brian, than knowing kids gave their all in the summer and they are prepared for their season. I don't care what sport it is, but that confidence of the weight room is so crucial in that person's ability to have a great season. One, because you decrease the chance of injury. Two is because it's gonna increase your athletic performance. You just mentioned that with those volleyball girls. They got to be jacked up right now because from a performance standpoint, they know that they can do things they couldn't do prior to the season, the start of the season. So now if you're that excited and you're super ready to go into your sport, because most kids like their sport more than they do the weight training portion of it, because they consider some consider it a grind, but now they saw the importance of, Increasing that vertical jump and getting stronger, they have to take that confidence that they got from the training, the preseason training, take it to the in season and know, you know what? Hey, we're gonna dominate this season. Now we're gonna really hone in on the, the volleyball, the scheme, the skills. We are gonna, we're gonna work on this just as hard as we did the weight room. And when you work in a weight room, just as hard as you do in your sports skills, and everyone on the team is doing it to their best ability, you got a great team. You got great team chemistry and you're gonna to continue to hold that confidence. Now, what if that group of girls then, that volleyball went into their in-season, they get an in-season coach and our in-season coach, you just say, I'm just gonna work on the skills portion of it. They're gonna lose that confidence. They're gonna lose the confidence. Not only that, kids are smart. You remember what Alec Ingold said, our oh, first works. guest on get your edge podcast is they know kids can read you they know if you're genuine they know what the bs meter is kids are smart and there's so much education out there podcast and there's all the private sector places there's so much great information on training that then they're going to start doubting their sport coach Because if their sport coach is supposed to be so good at the X's and O's of their sport and knowing how to teach the skills of their sport, but then is going to shortchange kids in the weight room. Now you got to think as an athlete, geez, you know, is our coach really have a growth mindset? Is our coach really doing everything to the best of his knowledge or his staff to help us? achieve our goals of maybe winning a conference championship or having a very successful season. So sport coaches, you got to get going. It is huge. And you got to continue that all that hard work they do in the off season has got to continue to the end season. And then it's got to go throughout the whole year. It's got to be long-term athletic development.
0: Well, Dean, I mean, first off, you talked about getting excited, right? I mean, I I don't think, there are more, two guys that get more excited for their athletes than we do. You know, um, I, when I was at Wisconsin, when guys would have big PRs, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I used to throw 32-ounce aids off the training room window, you know, or throw it off the ceiling and kick chalk boxes over. Today, I had a girl <laughs> run a ridiculous flying tent. I got so excited, I smashed a clipboard over my head because I was just, you're just so like jacked up to see their hard work pay off. And then, like you said, they see that and they understand, hey, we've done something pretty good here, you know, and athletes know, you know, if you got false enthusiasm or if you're genuinely fired up, genuinely excited for them, not like could care less. We've, we've done this for so long. Like we've seen just about everything. Oh, well, you know, just about everything in a weight room, but you talked about confidence and and I can share when I was at Wisconsin and I had the O line in 2010. and we put everything into how valuable the squat rack was and how valuable the platform was at the time. Once we got to the end season, how important the squat rack rack was, it was our competitive advantage with our kids competitive advantage the kids believed that the weight room was their competitive advantage this is college football every team we played was still training every team we played was in the weight room we just believed we were doing it better and we believed that we were doing it harder and we had guys in the 11th week of the of the season football season offensive lineman PRing in the back squat by 20 30 pounds. So when I say PR, that's the best they've ever done in the most stressed time of their pretty much their year is beginning of November in the Big 10 football season. And they believed so much that it was their competitive advantage that I think sometimes we we won some games because they just believed they were stronger than other people. And there were times that we played, I mean, we played Ohio State that year. I mean, they had two or three first-round draft picks on their offensive line, guys that are playing in the NFL and had long careers and linebackers, and we dominated them. Not, I don't know if we were better, but our guys believed they were more physical because of what the weight room gave them in their mind. And also their tech. I mean, they had obviously great technique, they had great team chemistry, but a lot of that was fostered in the weight room, and a lot of it was manufactured. Through the in-season okay not just the summer but the in-season and so again confidence is always an important value in the weight room
1: i think what i've seen at the high school levels many times is athletes work so hard out of season they get into their season and then they think well i'm just going to go through the motions and i'm just going in the weight room because the coach wants me in the weight room i think coaches sometimes feel like hey I have to get the kids in, otherwise I might lose this kid and then he might not come out because uh, some of the other coaches, maybe the football coach will get mad because if I'm a basketball coach or, or a different coach and they're not lifting, that this is gonna make a big difference. So they they do it because they have to do it is what I'm kind of saying. If you're a great athlete, you're going from one sport to the next, you, know, if you have to have the mindset of you're always trying to get better. And that's, you know, if you're going into a season and you're thinking, I'm going to go through the motions in season in a workout, I question if you can really hit that switch and be that competitive on the court or on the mat or on the track when that happens. Because the best athletes I've seen, at least at the high school level, have been, they get after whether it's practice, game, weight room, film, they are locked in, Brian. They are locked in, and those are the people your best athletes should be coached the hardest, and then they should be coaching all of their teammates and help everybody around them get better. And then you're going to have a great atmosphere in the weight room, and you're going to have awesome in season. So many times, a high school kid will go, "Yeah, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions in our in our lift or whatever." You hear? I've heard that for 27 years. That, that's okay guys that's on you because you got to change that that's a culture you, you have then. yeah you have to communicate so you you know athletes you got to communicate with the coach and say we can do a better job and we can even be better on the court Matt diamond wherever we can be better but what nothing wrong with being an athlete and saying hey coach i think this is an area we need to improve in. and i would think a lot of programs that maybe is a weakness Because again, the sport coach knows their sport. They don't know the weight room. So what do you do if you're a sport coach out there and now you aren't real comfortable in the weight room? You understand the importance of it because we just told you so far in a podcast how important it is. And hopefully everybody in your building is telling you the same thing because that's the correct advice. You have a strength and conditioning coach or at least a coach in the building that has a passion for helping athletes train, like you and I. And then you got to get together, sport coach, with that individual, sit down, communicate, and then come up with a program that's going to suit you and your athletes. And you have to work together. That's the biggest key that I see.
0: Right. And I think some key factors, obviously, in having a great in season program at your school the first one has to be communication dean you have to and athletes have to communicate with that strength coach or that person that's in the weight room and athletes like there there's there's forms of communication that are right and that are wrong walking in saying oh i'm sore that's that's garbage like i the, the best answer strength coaches if you're there or sport coaches if your athletes walk in without you soliciting information from them they're like hey what's up athlete, you know, a says, Oh, of course, sore, blah, blah, blah. D- didn't ask. Didn't ask if you were sore or not, you know, no built-ins right Dean. There's no built-ins because guess what? You know, the, 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 the girl or the guy you play tomorrow night, they're sore too. They're sore too. Cause they, guess what? They practice too. And guess what? They train too. Okay. They're just not walking around the school, like some zombies telling everybody how sore they are. Okay. So Communication has to be real communication. You know, athlete to coach. Hey, you know, I ran X amount of uh, of of gassers at practice if coaches are conditioning at practice. Um, and this and that, you know, we did this, you know, communicate, we had some leaders at one of the high schools that would communicate with our strength guy at, at, at the high school we run and really great. Hey, this is what we did at practice last night. Strength coaches and you have to take that information And then you have to make changes based on what you're hearing. You can't just be rigid and say, I'm running my strength program the way I'm running. Because at the end of the day, the the strength program should, should, again, injury prevention, make the athletes feel better and gain confidence, not to satisfy your need to run your program. The goal is to still win games in the end season. The goal is to still win the games, win the matches, you know, one-on-one events, whatever. So you have to keep that ultimate goal. What, what can you do and what can't you do to allow the athlete and coaches to do what they do on game night. Okay. Coaches and coaches, strength coaches, position coaches, sport coaches, you have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to give both of you. Okay. Sport coaches. I see this a lot and it's very frustrating for strength coaches. Sport coaches want to come in and tell us what to do. Okay, I saw this program, this is, this is the program that the Wisconsin track team's doing what I'm doing. Guess what, you don't have Wisconsin track athletes. Okay, you have your athletes here. So what do we see and what's the benefit the things that they need, okay? Strength coaches, you also have to be able to receive information and understand that the sport coach now is spending more time with the athletes than you are. So they're seeing them at practice. Maybe they're seeing some things that, you know, maybe they're not fun. The athlete isn't functioning as well. Maybe they look tired. Maybe they look fatigued. Okay. So then the conversation has to go back and forth. You both have to receive and you both have to listen. If you get stubborn and you want to do your own thing, the only person that suffers is the athlete. Coaches don't suffer. Trust me, strength coaches, we just go back in our office and be like, that guy's a bozo. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And then, you know, sport coach will go talk to his staff and say, strength coach is stubborn and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Neither of you are suffering. You're just mentally draining yourself. The athletes are the ones that suffer. And if you keep the athlete as the main priority, every problem, every scenario can get solved. You know, sport coaches, think about this for a minute. Have you ever thought about sharing your practice plans with the strength coach and being like, Hey, You know, this is what we're doing today. This is the amount of volume we're running. We're going to condition today, you know, and strength coach. Have you ever thought about sharing your program with the sport coach and saying, hey, this doesn't really seem to vibe with what we're doing. And then maybe having that conversation, because again, Dean, that's a growth mindset. That's taking your ego, parking it off to the side. All right. And saying, I want these athletes to have the best experience they can this season because they've worked their butts off. And we're gonna do everything we can, because that's your job as a coach to provide the best for the athlete, not for yourself and not for your ego.
1: So head coaches out there, you don't have to take on this responsibility. I've been around a lot of head coaches in high school settings. And, you know, it's much like 20 years ago being a college coach because high school kids are playing all year round. There's so much thrown at you. It can be very stressful. You're only as good as your staff. So have somebody on your staff then take that position and run with it, take that time. And that's their job is to really take over and be that lead person in the weight room. But understand everybody, head coaches, you have to be involved. Even if you have handed off to one of your assistants and they run it, you gotta be there. You got to be, you know, tapping them on the shoulder, congratulating, get them, giving them positive things. You have to be building relationships. It's all part of your culture. Because if you turn around and don't pay attention and don't watch them lift and let them do the technique wrong or be on the whiteboard and start scribbling X's and O's because you're worried about the practice that's going to start after the weight room session, you are doing a huge disservice. You are... Your body language, we tell our athletes all the time, your body language screams, but guess what coaches? So does yours. So if you're sitting there on your phone all the time and you're not paying attention at all, or you're on the whiteboard, or you're talking to an assistant and you're not going around and at least talking to athletes, helping them, pushing them, you are doing a huge disservice and kids are smart. Kids are smart And they know if you're not into it, they're not going to give 100% effort either. It would be no different than if you were at practice and you were sitting there, coaches, on your phone, and they're they're doing their drills and you're not paying attention. Their effort's not going to be as good. We know if we are giving them positive feedback and we are coaching every rep, that these kids are going to get much more out of their ability. So the advice I got for coaches is find somebody and then – you got to understand, sport coaches. You got a lot on your plate, but the strength coach at your high school has got a lot on their plate as well, because they're trying to help all different sports. It's not just football. It's volleyball. It's it's tennis. It's soccer. It's all four. So don't just all of a sudden call or email the strength and conditioning coach a week before a season and say, "Hey, can you set me up? Can you put a program together?" Because it's not that easy. That's like saying to you sport coaches, Hey, can you get a game plan to meet by tomorrow? But I don't know. I don't know what the other team does or anything. Right. It's that difficult. And we know sport coaches, you put so much time and effort into scheme and, and breaking down things on with technology, us strength coaches are doing the same thing. We're assessing athletes all the time for injury prevention and then we are trying to just like you, you're trying, you try to get those girls vertical jumps higher. You're trying to get them faster. And the data shows that it's working. So we got a lot on our plates as well.
0: Well, and the other thing, Dean, you you really hammered that home. The weight room is an extension of your practice field. It, it, it just has to be, you know? So if you are the coach and you're in there kind of joking around with the kids, how do you think they're going to train? Like you're you're the one that's in charge. You control playing time as a sport coach. So if you're in there and you're serious, and are you don't have to be the the head coach in the weight room. You can be the encouragement coach. Hey, I really you know and and, and you know sometimes I, I've heard this too from kids when head coaches even at the end of practice. Hey, I really heard you know so and so who may not be a starter is really doing this really well in the weight room, or I saw you, you know, your depth really looked better from from the last time I saw you, or I noticed that your your bench has gone up 10, 20 pounds, or I think your mobility looks a lot better. It seems like you're really working hard in the weight room. You want to talk about kids saying, holy smokes, my coach noticed that, you know, because they think in season all they're looking at is, you know, how they run a play or. You know, are they going to the right spot on, on bunt coverage or or things like that? If you show interest in your athletes in the weight room, all right, that's only going to make one that the strength coach's job easier because the kids are bought in. Okay. But it's also going to foster a culture of this is part of practice and sport coaches. You got to hear this as well. Okay. The in-season lift is not just, you're not just trying to pacify something that you that you feel like you have to do because everybody else is doing it. You have to buy into it. So you can't just say, well, my, my kids will just come in and lift it this time and just put it on the board and they should know what to do. Oh my gosh, absolutely not, okay? I have NFL guys that I have to explain exercises to because maybe it's a split squat that we're doing, but what's the tempo, you know, is there a pause on the bottom? Are we doing an eccentric? Are we doing a, a banded speed, you know, rep or, or anything like that? There's so many more intricacies because you wouldn't just take your kids and put them in the gym and say, guys, go practice. Here's the practice plan. Um, go execute it. You know, I'll just sit here and watch. It's the same in the weight room. And it's actually more important in the weight room that they're getting coached, because there's more chance of injury. You know, if they're not doing the technique correctly, okay, um, and so that's a that's really important. Dean is that coaches they really have to buy in to the thought process that this is part of practice, and that you can't have half your team showing up to a team lift and half the team sitting in bed.
1: Other thing, coaches. That are in season coaches and maybe you're, you're not real comfortable in the weight room. Cause this is what I've seen a lot with a lot of sport coaches. And we certainly understand that from a strength and conditioning standpoint, but there's no better time than when you have that feeling. Cause that's a normal feeling, by the way, is when you have that feeling is your best teams are always going to be athlete led Just like in a classroom, my best classes are student led And what a great time for those athletes to step up and take some onus and really make sure that workout is just as good as your best practice that week. And it's a a consistency every time that you're in there. And those kids, they can control their effort. They can control that. And it's something regardless of how good they are that they're giving 100% effort. They're holding each other accountable. So if you're doing a squat, you're getting squat depth and you're making sure they're doing the exercise. What a great communication piece in this technological age right now with the phones and everything. a lot of times it's hard for kids to talk and making sure you're holding them kids accountable shows you, you care about them. And your whole culture of your team is so much better when that happens. And I'll tell you when the best athletes tell kids, are you getting eight hours of sleep? You looked a little sluggish out there. Are you eating breakfast? That makes even a bigger impact than us coaches telling them that. Well, and, and
0: to Dean, I think one of the mis- major misconceptions here on in-season training is, and you, it's all over Twitter and it's all over this, is this sport specific, it's got to be, you know, you can't mimic a sport in the weight room. Okay. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care. You can, you can talk to your blue in the face. You're not going to convince me that you can mimic a sport in the weight room. Quite to the contrary, you need strength coaches and position coaches and, you know, sport coaches and athletes. Okay. Your volume of work comes from practice. That is your sports specific training okay, SPP, okay, when you get into the weight room, again, the, one of the first things we talked about was injury prevention, we have to create balance in your body, and so, and I'll, I'll go back to my days at Wisconsin, you know, and I'll give you a little, little nugget of, of, you know, in-season program design here, we bench press one time a week, Dean, that's dumbbell bench, incline, military, anytime we pressed, we had one pressing exercise per week for the offensive line. All right. And that was Monday or Tuesday and it was a bench press. It was either a max effort bench with a med ball throw or a speed bench with a med ball throw one time per week. All right. We lifted three times a week. We had a flush out week or a flush out lift on Sunday. We had a, you know, their, their main, you know, training session, which is farthest away from the game and farthest away from their next game on a Monday or Tuesday. And then we had another auxiliary slash injury preventative lift on Thursday, like a CNS primer. We did some jumps and some throws, stuff like that. So the old line coach who I'm very good friends with had like three or four knockdown, you know, drag out sessions where we were at each other pretty good. And I wouldn't budge for this simple reason if I'm training offensive linemen and and we'll look at some other different sports, all they do on the field is punch, 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 punch. They're getting hit in their shoulders. They're doing all this other stuff. So why am I going to take that athlete, put them down in the weight room and make them do more volume of it? Okay. You have to do the exact opposite. You have to build in movements that are going to offset what they're doing on the field. So what did we do? We did rows. We did pulls, we did scap retractions, we did rotator cuff work to prevent the, you know, and, and, and work on the areas of concern that they're getting the most usage. Conversely, very similar to like a volleyball or a basketball player. What do those guys do at practice all the time? They jump. So don't build a lot, of, you know, you could build some jumps in, you know, a few, you know, some weighted jumps, things like that. But don't sit there and, and put them on a VertiMax or, you know, do a bunch a bunch of extra jumping for them because they're already doing it in their practice. Why would you put more of what they're doing in practice into the weight room? They're getting plenty of volume there. Those athletes don't need to jump more. Okay. They need stability work and strength in their hips so they can absorb every time they jump and land. They need posterior chain work. They need hamstring work and calf and and glute work to make sure that when they land, they're stable and that they, they don't collapse because they're fatigued from jumping so much. We have to off and coaches, you have to you have to understand that this is this is science as well. The more you use a certain body part, the more worn down it's gonna get. So, where would you like to wear your athletes down on the field or in the weight room during the sports season? Guarantee you want the majority of those movements to be on the practice field, all right? And then strength coaches or sport coaches that are working in the weight room, you need to then understand the work that each position, each athlete is doing and find exercises that offset that and also build off of what they already have into the weight room.
1: Yeah, if you start out, Brian, I know are in season, they're no longer than a 45 minute workout. And sometimes they're more, you know, between that 30 and 45 minute window. And towards the end of the year, when it's tournament time, it's probably 20 to 30 minute workout. So the idea of that you have to be in there for an hour, an hour and a half, like you're doing a bodybuilding workout is way, way old thinking. You want to be in and out. You want the volume to be down because like you said there, the volume is what gets you sore in the weight room. And then you want the intensity, though, to stay high. And we always say that, oh, that's why the effort's always got to be 100%. Whether it's you're doing a dynamic or whether you're going more of a heavier load, the effort has always got to be 100%. And I think that's what a lot of sport coaches don't understand. They want to lighten the load and do all these kind of reps that you see in a bodybuilding magazine. And then that just wears out the kids even more. So a good... In-season workouts should have help the kids feel more refreshed when they get done. They should, like you said, walk out of that door feeling better, feeling confident and knowing that their strength levels are not decreasing. And then they just got to take care of business by making sure they're doing all the things that they can control, getting eight hours of sleep, the breakfast, the post-workout recovery, the hydration and everything else. That's where they got to take the accountability. Weight room coaches, you got to hold them accountable because you can control that. You can control the tempo, like you said, if it's a squat at the pause, you can have them turn up the music, crank it up, let these kids have some fun, get that effort skyrocketing. You can control that. You can control that atmosphere. But once they leave practice, once they leave the weight room, now they're on their own. Athletes, that's when you got to step your game up and make sure that you can read your body. I always tell our athletes the difference between a really good athlete, an average athlete, a really good athlete knows how to read their body. Yep. So if they're if they're sore, they're gonna do something to help that soreness, whether it's eating better foods, whole foods, more fruits and vegetables, more lean protein, get more sleep, they are gonna do more foam rolling. They are going to do more mobility, stretching, but only they can answer that because they're going to know what their body responds to. And that's what they have to do.
0: Well, Dean, I think we're going to wrap this up here, but I think I've already got another topic for another in-season podcast is is a program design. You know, how to come up with, with, with different programs from an in-season standpoint. The, the purpose of this one was to just hammer away at the importance of first and foremost, in season training, because it's a topic that's very prevalent. And then also to share, you know, working together for the benefit of the athlete, which we hammered on big time. And, and you at the high school level, you know that as as well as anybody. And and just, you know, making sure that you're making it a priority. And at the end of the day, if you make it a priority, if everybody's on board things really can run fairly smoothly as long as you're communicating with each other. And as long as you check your egos at the door. So Dean, do you got anything else here before we, uh, before we lock her down?
1: Last thing coaches, you know, that Nick Saban always says, you know, if you're not constantly evolving, you know, you're going to turn into a dinosaur, you know, that kind of, that comment that he said, if you're a high school You are a sport coach and you are not doing any in-season. Please reach out to somebody in your community, somebody, you know, private place. Obviously, if you're anywhere like Sports Advantage, reach out to somebody that has a passion for in-season design, somebody in your building, some coaches, get with somebody, get some help because it's, again, it's all about the athletes. And we cheat the athletes, we put the athletes in a very tough situation. I know I had a son that played football. I know how moms are, but one of the reasons why we do what we do, Brian, is we try to build, you know, this base of armor around our athletes, especially my son played football and he played basketball and did track, but having that armor around your body to do everything that you can do to protect your son or daughter from getting injured. Because we know in athletics, you know, especially as much as these kids play nowadays, that there's a good chance an injury is going to occur. But if we can lessen the degree of the injury, that is a game changer. And parents out there understand that this there's a reason for in-season strength training. And that is injury prevention. And then obviously increase in athletic performance. So if coaches, if you're not doing something, you got to get on board. It's a must. Administrators and people that are making decisions on hiring coaches, this I think is a huge question in the interviewing process. Yep. It is a big question. And you have to understand where they're at as far as their beliefs in long-term athletic development for athletes because it's so important.
0: Yeah. I, I just, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it is such a, it is such an important topic for athletes. Athletes only get one chance at this, you know, when they're done, they're done. And so we, as, as strength coaches, we as sport coaches need to give them every opportunity to develop and we need to give them every opportunity to develop for their other sports. You know, the worst thing that you can say is, you know, my athlete, this, my athlete, that he's not, he's a school's athlete. She's a school's athlete.
1: And the last thing is I've seen is some kids when making a decision to continue to go out for a sport. And I'm talking about multiple sport athletes. If they go and they're thinking about a sport, but they know that sport coach is not gonna do an in-season program, I have seen in my experience at the high school level that makes their decision real easy for that athlete to not go out for their sport. And I I really think this really hurts the athlete because one of the best things about being a multi-sport athlete is you are around so many coaches and you work in different movement planes. And so your injury is a lot less because you're doing different types of movements. And that is crucial as far as I'm concerned. And then again, they wanna be with their friends. And a lot of times when they choose not to go out for a sport, some of those kids are some of their best friends that they've had at a very young age. And then once they quit that sport, sometimes that friendship, just because they don't spend as much time together, starts to get a little farther away.
0: Well, and the other thing too, Dean, just to follow up on that quick before we cut her off here is, is if an athlete comes up to you, sport coach, and says, Hey, I need to, I don't feel strong. And you can't discourage them from wanting to go back into the weight room. Like that's the worst thing that you can do. That would be like us discouraging kids from going out and shooting free throws at night. You know what I mean? Don't ever discourage a kid from wanting, don't ever discourage a kid from wanting to work harder is kind of the message there. So I hope everybody got a lot out of this one. As you guys could tell, our voices got a little louder and And whatnot, because this is definitely for us something that we see in the strength and conditioning field in the high schools that is a must and it has to happen. So, please, you know, again, we don't charge for the podcast, we don't do anything, but coaches, we're asking you right now share this with your athletes, share the value and the importance, some of these nuggets that we shared, and share it with other coaching friends. Share it with other coaching friends. We want to thank you so much for listening but get this out there because our kids are going to benefit from it. Our athletes are going to benefit from it. Again, we got Fox Valley throws club going on right now. They're out throwing in the, in the rain and the thunderstorms sports advantage. We got some great stuff. Uh, Our school year memberships are out right now. Um, If you're in our area, we have school year memberships, unlimited training in season athletes, as well as out of season. We do a great job. With the in-season athletes, we will work with you. We will understand what you have for practice, uh, what you have for training at your high school to get very specialized for you as an athlete in your sport, um, as well as your development long-term, okay? Um, That ends this episode of of the Get Your Edge podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you share this episode. We'll catch you next time. Chop it!